Hello, welcome to People Who Are Politicians. I'm your host, Matt Antonelli. And before I get to today's episode, just some news and uh, some things about the upcoming episodes. So following this one, there's an episode coming out with Julian Simmons, who is the Brisbane City Councillor for Walter Taylor Ward. And he's also uh, the pre-selected Liberal candidate for the federal seat of Ryan. So it was really cool to talk to him about what he's aiming to do and why he's moving from local politics to federal politics. Uh, there's also an episode coming out with Mark Bailey, who is the Queensland Minister for uh, Transport and Main Roads, and he's also the member for Miller. And then I'm talking to Nick DeMeadow, who I've, I'm actually really excited to talk about because he's from North Queensland, and I haven't had any MPs on from, I guess, anywhere else rather than, other than the southeast corner of Queensland, so it will be good to talk to him and get a different perspective of what... Uh, political life is for him and then after that I've got a, a chat with Grace Grace who is the Queensland Minister for Education so that one will be great too so some really good episodes coming up this episode you're about to listen to features Sam O'Connor who is the member for Bonnie and he's a first term MP so it was really cool to talk to him and sort of talk to him about his the way his life has changed since being elected and the things he's really wanting to get done for his electorate and also um, I've left in normally after I finish this intro, there's just like, you'll hear me again saying, welcome to People of Politicians, here's my politician or whatever. But there's just a little bit of a conversation. I started recording a bit early and so we, we had a chat about a few things and um, I was going to cut it out, but I thought I might just leave it in. It kind of, it's a little bit nice, you know, it gives you a bit more background into who he is and a, I suppose there's a little bit of background into who I am. So yeah, that was just really nice to um to leave that in. So I really hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, make sure you like and subscribe and share and review and all those normal things, particularly if you rate and review on iTunes. Uh, it's been really good to see the podcast kind of move up in the recommended political shows, which is great, um, but it would be really cool if people kept jumping onto iTunes and you know giving it five, give it five stars, why not? And uh, a little quick review, it really helps people find us. Uh, also in the episode description are where you can find Sam O'Connor and uh, like on Facebook and his website and all those things and also some things you can get up to when you visit Bonnie next. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you. I run some youth and young adult programs through my church. So What's your church? Uh, Riverside Church in Chelmer, so... Riverside? It, yeah, it's... Do you know Micah Edwards? Do I know... Micah Edwards? I know Mark Edwards. Mark Edwards? <laughs> yeah. As in, that guy? <laughs> uh, yeah. That's my mum's cousin. Oh! So, he's... So, I call him my Uncle Mark. He's at, um... He's in Ipswich. Yeah, he's at City Hope. Hope. City Hope, yeah. yeah. I go there for conferences and stuff. No way. So well, him. he is my Uncle Mark. Oh, cool. So his dad is Lou Edwards, who is my great-granddad. Oh, my great-uncle. Um, so that guy, my great-granddad, this his son is Lou. So Lou was um, Deputy Premier. This is where I found that How to Vote card. I got this old Parliament guide from Lou, or that my granddad had got from Lou. Um, and in the back of it was that How to Vote card. So that's Lou. Oh, cool. So he was uh, Liberal Leader, Deputy Premier, Health Minister, Treasurer, that sort of thing. So that's Mark's dad. 
Sweet. Yeah. I mean, oh, small world. Small world. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good guy, Uncle Mark. Yeah. So we call him Uncle Mark because uh, the family has um, had a, a unit or a block of units down here that we all used to come down to. And Lou's kids, my granddad's kids, and then their sister, their, their sister Gwen and Merl, uh, Merlin used to have, like, their kids would come down. So we would interact with our second cousins like they were our first cousins. Oh, and yeah. parents became our uncles and aunties, basically. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I did press record that I can... That's okay. That was, that was a... That's a, a nice overview of your family, though. It's a sloppy start, that's all right. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll start with... Um, well, I should probably start with an introduction. Um, welcome to People Who Are Politicians. I'm your host, Matt Antonelli, and I'm joined by Sam O'Connor, the member for Bonnie. How are you? Very well, hello. Um, let's start with Bonnie. Uh, can you give us an overview of what it's like, what its boundaries are, the feel of the electorate, maybe? Bonnie is not geographic, so it's named after Laura's Bonnie, who was a pioneering aviator. So she was basically uh, a, a contemporary of um, Bert Hinkler. She was essentially a bored housewife, so she would... Um, they had no kids, uh, and they were quite wealthy, and she would... She didn't have a driver's license, so she'd hitch her, hitch her ride with the milkman up to Eagle Farm Airport, and she learned how to fly. So she was the first woman to fly between Australia and the UK, and the first person to fly between Australia and South Africa, among other things. Uh, I think it was before World War II when people were just seeing how far they could go with planes, and, and she was one of those. So cool. Um, and you've got you know you get lovely sort of coastline, yep. and um, I suppose one new development houses and stuff like we were, we were talking before um. well, we are the best part of the Gold Coast so we, we border the Broadwater on the east uh, which is uh, a lovely lovely spot there it's some nice protected waterways uh, it has a few too many um, old houseboats but we're working on that uh, so the, the eastern suburbs we've got bigger waters where I live uh, and Labrador and then a little bit of Southport with uh, a lovely area called Churn Park which has some fantastic cafes and little shops in there uh, and then in the west, we've got Parkwood and Arundel. So they're more traditional, suburban, uh, central Gold Coast, I guess you'd call it. And you, you've essentially got some of the last blocks of land being developed in that area. So they're, um, they're basically just houses where on the east, it's more denser living. But we've got Harbour Town shops as well. Uh, we've got a lot of industrial area. Uh, the hospital, Griffith University. We've got all of stage two of the light rail. Uh, and... Yeah, it's a great place to be. Um, and let's talk about you running for this area. Uh, what were you doing before you decided to go for it? So the immediate prior job was technically bartender, courtesy bus driver at the local footy club, uh, which was Labrador Tigers. And that was essentially the only reason I won. I had a, a 10% swing to me in the, the booth at Labrador there uh, from, from being the local bartender. But the thing that got me into politics and into all this was um, essentially after I, after I left uni, all I wanted to do was become an intelligence officer in the army. Uh, but I had a, a heart problem when I was about 20. So I had what's called atrial fibrillation. Uh, it's essentially the electrical workings of your atria uh, a bit out of joint and, and going not the way they should. Uh, and I, I got defibrillated back into rhythm. I've, I've been fine ever since, but uh, it, it prevented me from doing what I wanted to do. So it sort of was just, uh, I was applying, I found a, a, there was a job on SEEK for Stuart Robert, who's the local federal member here. Uh, and I thought, 
had no hope in hell of getting that. I wasn't involved in the party. I wasn't around that. I, I'd actively avoided student politics at, at UQ uh, and uh, I'd actively avoided the young LNP and things like that. <laughs> um, but I thought I'd give it a crack and, and see if it would work out. I ended up getting the job and I was there for a, a couple of years and, and that sort of showed me the ropes. And from there, I, I joined the, the local branch of the LNP after, a few months after getting the job and I was the branch chairman of this area and, and at the redistribution they essentially made this seat around where I was chairman and, and I've been involved in Rotary and I'm still the vice president of the local community garden and the local Meals on Wheels so it sort of was a natural fit to, to give it a go and, and to, um, to see if I could win it. So it's pretty convenient that they made that, that seat. Very kind of them, yeah. yeah. Very, very much. Uh, <laughs> thank you to the Electoral Commission for thinking of me like that. Uh, but I also suppose it's a different way of, um, I mean, I'm not sure if this was your motivation when you want to be an intelligence officer, but it's a different way of serving the country then. Yeah, to a degree. That, that was the, the main motivation for it because when I got the job with Stu, I was about halfway through the application process for the Queensland Police, so that was the other outlet that I was looking to do. Um, so, sort of lucky I got that, I don't know. I'd, um, but yeah, that, that's sort of, um, that's, that's probably a good way to describe it. And because it's, it's been a year now, so um, congratulations on your first year. Thank you. Um, what was it like uh, actually like campaigning and running? Because in a new seat, there's no, you know, sitting member defending it. So what was that like? Trying like, a, I mean, you already knew a lot of people about establishing, establishing yourself as a contender for the electorate. It essentially, it, it was always going to be hard because it, it had the the lowest, I mean, every seat on the Gold Coast was LNP back then. Uh, we lost one, um, but it had the lowest LNP margin. So everyone thought if any seat was going to go to Labor, it would be this seat. Uh, so I essentially left the main job with Stewie and, and just for four or five nights a week, I'd work at the local footy club. Uh, and then every day I'd go out and door knock and campaign and um go to community things, go to essentially the opening of an envelope. So it, it took six, seven months of that just solidly campaigning and, and knocking on as many doors and meeting as many people as possible. So and, it, was, it was hard. And then um, getting in and, you know, obviously winning, probably feels pretty good. Um, what was it like going up into Parliament for the first time? so weird <laughs> I, I'd never really been there before I don't remember going on a school trip up there so it was just so bizarre and it, it's such a beautiful building it's, it's probably the most beautiful building in the state and it's I, I've actually I've been trying to take as many people as possible up there this year just because I, I don't think it's an institution that too many people know about uh, or think about so the more people I can get up there the better we've had Rotary clubs and I've really been driving it with the schools and uh, most functions that I go to I'll give out dinner for two with me at Parliament and people can come up and have a, a lovely three course meal and uh, the, the, the oldies love it at the local uh, aged care places, they, they go crazy for it. Um, well that's interesting to me because it, it seems like um, well, a lot of my friends and I probably you've probably seen a lot of people in the public aren't really that excited by politicians or po politics in general. So do you have any other ways that you try and sort of re-engage them into the discussion around politics? Any, any interaction I have with someone I, I see as a win. Um, the big part of it, I guess, I, I just see there's multiple forms of communication. You've got to get people multiple ways. So 
it's going to everything that you possibly can it's putting up a variety of content on social media so that people can actually see things and they might not like everything but they will like the occasional thing and, and saying that you don't put up overtly political things because they absolutely hate that and that's frankly what it's what people are sick of yeah. it's that sort of us them labor liberal nonsense it's sort of the I focus. I'll rarely mention the parties. I'll focus on the issues and what that sort of what the things are that matter. Or I'll promote a community group that I've been to or something that I've I've done. It's sort of sticking to that and trying to take that away from it. Um, but yeah, that's that is the biggest challenge I think we're facing. It's just engaging people and getting them to have some awareness because there's a real disillusionment and distrust and. Um, we really need to resolve that because it makes no sense we're, we're in the best country in the world we've, we've got some of the best systems of government in the world but people don't think that and and that's a real problem uh, just when you start talking about social, social media I haven't been like trolling through your trolling through your um, Facebook page or anything but I have followed it so your stuff comes up now and it's it's normally pretty um, as you said there's no mention of the party and it's normally pretty chilled you know, casual stuff that's going on in your community. The best thing I get is people say, you're not bad for a liberal or they, <laughs> they ask who you are, like what party I am. That's always like that because that means I've done it right, I think. <laughs> um, do you think that's um, something that perhaps other politicians aren't quite as skilled at, the social media aspect or...? Um... The, the key thing I, I find is you just make it genuine. So I, I do it all myself. Uh, I'll get whoever's around to take a photo or whatever it is, but I do it all myself. Uh, I make it very first person, very personal. It's all very, um, it's either short and sharp or it's a bit longer form to really nut out a story or an issue or something. So I, as long as it's genuine, that's what people that's what people engage with. I still don't quite get Instagram. I've got Facebook down pat, but Instagram I'm still working on. That's, it's not hard. I, I only recently got on Instagram too. Yeah, it's all it's all good food it's all food and good looking people, so that's very um Oh very I'm difficult. all just taking photos of landscapes. Oh okay, <laughs> right. Yeah I don't really do that. Um the when when you are up in Brisbane in Parliament or um, just talking with members of your party or other parties I guess as well, what's it like working with other politicians? Is it as negative as people might see on uh, through media or is it actually a positive working environment it's like any any work environment it depends on the personality it depends on the person um, we we do sit on committees together there's different parties on the committee so our committee's got half labor half lmp so you do get you know that's involved a bit of travel this year to a couple of places um, went up to mornington island which was a good bonding experience with with a few of the other guys um, but it's um it's it's like anything. It depends on the personalities and the people. So, uh, it's it's not as bad as people would assume, though, because yeah. people, you know, even if they are watching the news, I can't remember the last time I sat down to watch the the news at six or six thirty or whenever it is. But <laughs> even when they are watching the news, all they see is a snippet of ten twenty seconds yeah. of you and know, tit for tat, and question time goes for an hour. Parliament yeah. goes from nine thirty to seven thirty. I mean, it's. There's a lot more that goes on than, than just um, than just what people see, uh, and that's part of the problem. But a good thing about social media in particular is I can put my whole speech up, I can put up clips from my speech, I can show them something, because frankly no one's watching on Parliament Live, I don't know if you are Matthew, but... No. 
really. <laughs> occasionally, no, yeah. occasionally when something is of important, well, of public importance is up. Um, but I was going to say the, the biggest thing people see, even if it's not state parliament, they'll see federal parliament question time. Yeah. The brutality, all the compatibility. But even that goes for an hour, and all you see is the little clip that they, the little zinger that they, they decided to put in of 10 seconds or whatever it is. But yeah. it, there's a real opportunity to. I, I won't say much in Parliament that doesn't relate to the area, so mm. you really got to relate it back to the community that you represent, I think, and that's how you engage people and that people care about it. When you first started to, uh, you know, scrutinise legislation or, you know, come up with policies, uh, with it, whether it's in the Liberal Party or stuff that's just coming through Parliament, do you have like a specific philosophy or criteria that you use to judge legislation that comes through? It, that was a bit of a learning curve because I'm not a lawyer. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't studied law before. I did, I did science and and your typical arts degree at, at UQ. So that was a bit of a learning curve, just just getting my head around some of that. But not not particularly. It, it depends on what it is really. Um, you, you sort of have your underlying values and what you think about things, and I'm always cautious of more laws and more regulation and bigger government. But not not particularly. You just obviously, it's better if something has an evidence base. And I suppose it's something you probably still like because you're only in your first term. Um, mm. And um, who else was I talking to? I was talking to the member for Condamine. Oh, Pat. And he said, "Well, because he's never been a lawyer either." He said that was the biggest thing for him. He had he hasn't fully developed his kind of political philosophy yet he's still figuring it out but you know um in your first term i guess you're still trying to figure out how everything yeah i I think it's the best place to start um in terms of being on a committee and actually working through legislation in detail and seeing how it is from the ground up instead of coming in particularly being opposition because you're naturally cautious of whatever the government's doing um but it, it's, it's a good place to start because you get to see it from the ground up and you get to respect the process a bit more, I think. And, and for me, from what I can see, I think it needs to be beefed up a bit in terms of the committees and, um, and how all that works. But uh, particularly around estimates, that, that's a bit of a joke. So I do want to um, ask you for your perspective, because you're quite a, you know, a younger politician in the House, probably. Um, well, you're the first person on this show that's younger than me, so... There you go. Right. Um, so, like, what's that like? Is, is it ever seem like that's an issue, or do you, you get, you a, get of... a few jokes like, um, <laughs> "Oh, Sammy, you're wearing that suit that you had at your formal last week," or if there's a school tour walking past, people try to say, "Oh, Sammy, you know, there's, your, there's your classmates." Or um, I, I like to rebut with something usually like, um, "You know, be nice to me because I'll still be here when we're doing your condolence motion." Or um, something like that, um, but no, it's it's good. I think you need a parliament that reflects the community, and uh, one of the biggest challenges we have is is young people engaging with politics, and and I think that helps. I think it it really does. Um, I, I I think it's been a good thing. I'm glad that I sort of came to it at this age, and yeah. I, I suppose uh, any party would want a range of ages and views in their yep. um, party room to have every view covered, I guess. And and that's, well, that's frankly the only reason I'm here. It's the, the LNP had, uh, it, 
sounds laughable to sort of say this at the current climate with some of the things that are going on federally, but we, we've got genuine democratic pre-selections where it's the local members who pick who their candidate is. And that, that's how I got up because I had the majority of the local members wanted me as the candidate. Uh, and that's in an ideal world how it would work for us. We just need to work on attracting uh, different people to, to make sure we got that, that breadth in our party. Uh, talking about your some of the successes you might have had in your first year, you, uh, whether it's something that you've gone and done for this area or in Queensland, what have been some sort of your highlights for the first year in government? Well, not in government, sorry, in parliament. <laughs> Maybe in government one day. <laughs> Hopefully, at, at some point. We, we have only won one election in the last 30 years. Yeah. Um, which is a, a very sad fact. Uh, so hopefully we can uh, turn that around in 2020. Um, it, it's, uh, it's I don't know about because it's hard to get successes um, in terms of or in maybe, terms of opposition. But maybe it's something you've been able to advocate for from your area in Parliament. It's okay in Parliament. It's sort of uh, just a, a range of things. The big one that for me the biggest challenge that we got as the Gold Coast is. The city's going to double in the next couple of decades, and to me, the only way that we can manage that is with a decent mass transport network and better road infrastructure. So the big ones that we're pushing for, I guess, or that I, I would love to see is light rail extending right across the city. So getting it to the airport, getting a spur line up to Harbour Town before we get one to Rabina, maybe one out to Bundle. We, we really need a, a rollout plan for the light rail to make sure that it's, it's getting delivered across the city. We're begging for a second M1 or Coomera Connect or whatever you want to call it because there's a lot of suburbs that have popped up a bit further north than me, but it still impacts people here that just don't have that infrastructure um, backing them up. But it, it's sort of, it's been a lot of different issues. I mean, there's so many things that crop up. A big one, law and order's huge around here. We, we really, on a daily basis, I'm getting people that, just aren't getting the, the best police response time or they just don't because the coppers just don't have enough of them to, to get around all the calls to service they have. Uh, actually the other big issue we get, I've got the highest proportion of public housing on the Gold Coast so we get a lot of people come in with issues with that. It's generally not maintenance, it's generally maybe issues with someone else in their complex that they need, need resolved or someone who's not sort of following the rules. We've had... Um, just a couple of weeks ago, my, my local special school, which is the second biggest in the state, we, we found out that they raised that they don't have uh, disabled access proper to their admin block, which is a bit of an issue. Um, schools have actually been a big one, um, just trying to keep pushing for the, the best resources for them. And we have got some good things happening with Southport High. They're finally getting some new buildings and a library, but other schools like Arundel, it's 1,150 kids it's still some demountables there. It's just a school that's exploded uh, without without having that, that proper infrastructure keep pace. Another one, big one's been the broad border, trying to get some reform around the waterways authority uh, because there's it's, it's just crazy the amount of lawlessness that's out there. We've only got 14 water police for the entire Gold Coast, which is an increase of two from 15 years ago, I think. It's just it's just crazy. So that's that's another big one that we've got. Well, that's interesting to me because I'm going to keep referencing other people I've spoken to, but um, Marty Hunt up at uh, Nicklin, he was saying similar around law and order issues. So it's just interesting to me that you're, you know, 
different electorates and he's more rural slightly more yeah and you're by the coast but still have the same kinds of issues do you think that's um something that the current government needs to really improve upon across the state really yeah and and it's up to the government to provide the resources to the QPS and I think the, the minister just sort of says that's up to the police commissioner so it's sort of a, a circle of uh, not anything happening which is a, which is a bit of a problem the, the other big one I really want to see work is the health and knowledge precinct yeah um, I like to say uh, I'm a biomed graduate and I want other biomed graduates to not have to get elected to parliament to get a job so we really need that to get firing um, and it concerns me a little that it hasn't hasn't really got off to much of a, a start yet but it's still early days so um what about i will maybe just uh not talk about the the political stuff so as much um we'll come back to bonnie a little bit um what are some things that people can come check out in bonnie so you, you mentioned things like harbour town and all the great cafes and um, are there any sort of like events and things that people can come down and check out or come up both directions <laughs> that that is one thing we do need to work on we don't really have any of the big event locations we know the broadwater parklands we, we've had some good local events that have gone on this year but the, the big one's harbour town uh, that's crazy this time of year so if you can get a car park come along there's a, a nice new section that's open we've got an eight street um, asian street markets opening and there's a great sports bar there uh, called crafties and that's uh, and great shopping obviously um with, with churn park is just fantastic like i was saying there's the cafes and eateries around there are, are brilliant but in, in terms of other things it's sort of i mean the broadwater is wonderful you can get a great fish and chips from Charis there by, the, by Harley's Park or you can go to um, a bit further up there's a lovely little spot called Aqua that's got a Harley's Seafood which is another great little fish and chip spot and where you went for a walk I think earlier yeah yeah along the along the front I, walk, I put plenty of photos up on Instagram for this so some nice landscape shots yeah, some good. nice landscape shots yeah oh, good um, maybe I'll have a go at taking a photo of a coffee and <laughs> later yeah good good <laughs> um is that, do you think that's just a, because it's, it is a growing area and those things will just naturally start to pop up, those sort of community events? And we, need, we need more space for it. I mean, it, it's really local stuff that we've had. We had uh, this, this suburb that we're in, Labrador, is very multicultural. It's one of the most multicultural suburbs on the coast. I mean, you've got um, two doors up, I've got Syrian refugees that came over as part of that one-off 12,000 intake a couple of years ago. Uh, and, and it's a real, it's a good location for people to settle when they initially come to Australia because we're the next suburb up from Southport, so you're close to all those services that they need to get access to, but it's still reasonably affordable uh, to live. So we had a, a multicultural festival in September, uh, which went really well. We reckon about 2,000 people came through that, which was great for, for the one area. So we, we want to really focus on more of those events that show the strength that our community has through that diversity. Um, I won't, because um, I don't want to take up your whole morning, and then you've probably got other things that you want to do rather than um, uh, talk to me all morning, but um, just to finish on a couple more questions. Uh, after your time in politics is over, 
hopefully not too soon, but you never know. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but, uh, what kind of legacy are you wanting to leave behind? Or what, how, do you, how would you like to be remembered by the area once you move out of politics? Which is, you know, a small question after you've only been for a, in for a year. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm just happy every time someone knows me. <laughs> that really, that really makes me happy. Just to just anyone that recognizes me without me prompting them. That that really, I mean, that's that's a short term thing, but longer. Uh, that, that's to me, that's just great. If I can engage people more and have them thinking about this more and and thinking about how great our system of government is and and being part of that, then then that's something. But. I'd light rail to Harbour Town. If I get a spur line up to Harbour Town, I'll be very happy. <laughs> I think I think we're about a decade away, but uh, if if we can get light rail going right up the middle of the electric to Harbour Town, that that'll make me very happy indeed. And and the second M one obviously uh, is absolutely vital. We've got a, a big part of the second M one corridor um, because they're the they're the things that really make a difference and that will actually Im- improve this community. And and it's what people care about and it's what will manage. Because essentially we've got everything you need for a great life. You just don't need to be a nightmare to get there. Yeah. Uh, and we don't want overdevelopment to, to cause those issues and we need to be able to manage manage that sustainably. But the, the other thing I guess would be more of those community spaces. We've got an old tip that's currently um, uh, seeping methane. So as soon as that's gone, maybe right. in about 10, 15 years, we might be able to turn that into a nice community or sporting precinct. So uh, that's another thing I'd like to, to keep an eye on. Cool. But the other thing is just driving the area and making sure that, that people can live here and get a job here and, and, and do whatever they want. So if they want to go to uni, we've got Griffith. They've got the best schools around here, just that everyone, everyone can I went to know. Griffith, so it's, it's probably a great university. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, and just given... Like, we spoke earlier about how disengaged people are with politics but yep, if there's people <laughs> well hopefully after 50 more episodes people will have an <laughs> idea um if there's someone out there who they want to get more involved maybe they want to run like like you have or um just want to be more involved in policy making maybe but they see the 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 news or they see snippets of question time and think it's a bit too too much of a negative environment what kind of advice would you have for them if they should they get more involved or should they you know stay out of it the um the 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 basic pitch i give to people when uh particularly young people when i'm getting them to join a party is things are stuffed or another word uh the only way you can fix it is by being part of it you got to engage We're, we're seeing uh people are, are not engaging and I think both major parties have issues with this you need general ordinary people to engage with politics and to be part of it and to actually care uh, and, and it's an issue across other groups as well I'm, I mean with Rotary we're seeing uh, and, and many other voluntary groups with traditional structures like political parties have they're sort of dying off quite literally in many cases yeah. um, so people they just got to get involved just just be part of it uh, if, if that's what they want to do but not everyone wants to join a political party just just get in touch with your local member that's that's the best advice I can give just book in a meeting send them a message on Facebook give them a call whatever it is just engage people need to touch base otherwise 
politicians just seem remote and, and like they're not part of things. But it's also politicians as well. Politicians need to get out there and get stuck in and actually talk about things that people care about. Yeah. Um, well, thanks so much for catching up with us. I'm going to put in the episode description where people can follow you on Facebook and are you on Twitter as well? I'd never tweet. That's a very the best. But advice Facebook's I'd, definitely the best. Yeah, I have got Twitter. I've seen I, I just read on Twitter. There's no, the way I see it is, there's no voters on Twitter, ah. and the best life advice I can give any listener is never tweet. So yeah. Um, so I'll put all that in the episode description. Excellent. And some thanks to doing Bonnie and. Um, did we solve democracy? Um, did we? No. Okay. Well, that's. <laughs> um, but one thing I can say is. Um, you mentioned before you just talk to your local member the number of people that i've spoken to because sometimes i just talk to people in the electorate while i'm here um who say politicians are all terrible corrupt and but, evil but, and only care about themselves yeah. And, yeah but they say that their member is good is good <laughs> it's it so i think that's you know a takeaway is if you if you hate the system at least talk to your local member because that will hopefully change it. And most people just want to be heard. You, yeah. you can't, they, they recognise that you can't solve every issue and that you, you, they just want to be heard and they want you to actually follow it up and, and to look into it for them. Cool. So, That's what we're here for. Um, well, thanks for catching up with us. Thank you. Appreciate it.